So welcome here to Breakthrough City Church and to our friends and family there from Lesotho and Bloemfontein and Friesburg, the different churches. Um, the word I want to share this morning um, is a word where we're going to try to get through this as well, um, but it ties in the whole thing where even where we're going to be also ordaining Sylvia and David Mukwena and that as well with the work that they're busy with. Um, in these different churches where they specifically also be involved in, um, in Lesotho and um, Bloemfontein and Friesburg. So this morning I want to speak to you about um, how, how do you become an apostolic people? Because sometimes apostolic has to do with, you know, well, this is my denomination and this is my churches. No, it, it's not a name. It has a reality and an implication of what is the apostolic. So how do you become an apostolic people? I'm going to handle just a few points. Um, there are many others. I just want to touch a bit on this, um, on these few points. But the first one I want to refer to is that, um, that uh, firstly, I want to say this, that apostolic means the following. This is what it actually means in the Bible terms. What it, does it mean, apostolic? So firstly, God has spoken over this house and this church, Breakthrough City Church, that it would be an apostolic base. So it was prophesied many years ago. This is this grace that is in the house. This is what will happen. What does it mean? I'm glad you asked me because the thing is, a lot of people are unclear. That it, it, it sounds wonderful, and then people have titles with it. So we're not into the title thing. But what is the implication, or what does it mean? So pretty much this is what it is. When when Paul the apostle or Peter, the different apostles, um, what does it mean? It means this. Pretty much, and remember, it was written in that context. And what does, how does it apply today? So, remember, the Romans were ruling in the, and, and having an empire which just grew and grew. And um, we see the New Testament, which was written in Greek. And um, there's this a, a, a application of what does this, so they understood immediately what is apostolic. Obviously, in those times, they understood. It wasn't like we're trying to figure some things out. Pretty much, what it implies of the following is that when the emperor would send, would go into a certain territory, a certain nation, and they would conquer that territory, what they would then would do with the armies that went in and they conquered the territory, they would then send in their, um, their people, would, which were this, the, the, the headed up their culture, that headed up their ways of doing life, whether it is the uh, physicians, the medicine, whether it be the different cultural practices, they would go into that nation or into that region and, that, and they would actually bring the culture of Rome into that area. Okay, It is not colonization I'm referring to, but there are truths in that, if you hear what I'm saying. So they brought the culture and the ways of that empire into that region and that place. The reason was for what? Because when the emperor came to that place, it would feel like Rome. That is apostolos. That is apostolic. That is the actual implication of it. So we know who is the great apostle? Jesus Christ. All right, so he's our uh, great apostle. So, what was his prayer? Listen, the prayer wasn't for him, by the way, because if Matthew 6, the Lord's prayer, was for him, it says, 
It speaks about confess your sin. He, he was without sin. So the prayer was for the disciples, actually. You with me? So when he prayed, he speaks our Father. He refers to what's the first thing? We are family. What's the first key of the apostolic and becoming an apostolic people? That is apostolic people gather together because we are family. We're not an organization. We family. So one of the first keys for the apostolic is family. Now remember, if the Romans, they were going to region, they bring about their culture and their ways, their food, their everything was brought into that region. So when the emperor steps in, ah, this is like home. Well, when Jesus came, he said, I want you to apostolos, I want to send you. Wherever you go, you bring the kingdom. You establish the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so, um, and we'll get to that, and maybe I'll just throw it in here while we're at it, just with time-wise. So, um, so I'm, I'm just deviating slightly, but just bear with me. It's just regarding even with what we're sharing with this ordination today. But basically, um, um, I grew up, my spiritual growing up was in Ephesians chapter 4. Um, so I grew up in the whole uh, restoration of the apostolic move of God. So what is it? It is not the name of a church or anything. Um, but Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 10, 11, it says this, when Jesus ascended on high. So um, in verse 10, it says, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens and that he might fill all things. And he, this is verse 11, Jesus, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. All right. Now, so a lot of people have got stuck on that. So we refer to that the fivefold grace or fivefold ministry. Now, some people got stuck in that because it sounds good. I'm apostle this, and I'm prophet this, and I'm pastor this. And so we're not into the thing of titles. We recognize the function. Right, so this is functions, right? So these five different ministry graces, we speak of governing uh, ministries. They are, it is a grace that God has uh, given to specific people um, to function in. We speak about the governing ministries. They govern the church. So um, what does it say further? Because they have a function. It is not about a position. It's a function. So then it says further here, it says, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. So what's their function? For the equipping of the saints. Now, it doesn't stop there. What does it say further? For the edifying of the body of Christ. For, okay, encouraging the body of Christ. Why? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's a, a maturing that takes place when the equipping takes place so that we look more like Christ. Not we, this big ministry, we, the big churches. We, at the end of the day, we are being matured to look more like Jesus Christ. Verse 14, 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. All right, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Causes what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right. And that continues there and you can, you know, I don't want to get lost in, in that chapter. But the thing is this, is the fivefold ministry grace is there, is we speak of the governing grace. In the body of Christ, we speak of governing ministries. So in the kingdom of God, these functions, all right, it's not positions, it's functions of men and women in the kingdom of God um, that are connected in a local church or are in a local church, but they are there for equipping the saints so that we all come to a place of maturity in Jesus Christ. And that we, we supply every joint, meaning if we the spiritual body of Christ. I say again, we the spiritual body of Christ on earth. That's what the word says. So we have the life of God in us functioning through us. So therefore we have a role to play. All right. On earth as it is in heaven. So the first point we speak about the apostolic is we gather together because we family. One of the key things is family because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Family. What did Jesus come reveal the Father? When he reveals the Father, he reveals family. That's why part of the word, even this year prophetically, God says concerning family values, family that God is busy restoring and doing. Understanding the family of a local church is not just a place of meeting, it is a place also of family. All right? Good, I'll get a bit into this now. Now, the thing is this, is... Um, um, guess what? In family, we're not going to agree on everything. You're telling me you and, your, you and your husband or wife agree on everything. If you tell me that, you're a liar. <laughs> but we're family. But you understand a key thing for this is covenant. People don't, I don't even hear people speak about this anymore. So when you're part of a local spiritual family, you're in a covenant relationship. Okay? It's, it's, it's a covenant relationship that we walk in. It is not a loose connection. Loose connections, people get shocked. When you're loosely connected, you get shocked. At a plug which is loosely connected, someone gets hurt. So when there's disconnection and you come in, all of us had, have had some dysfunction in family. Many times God places it into a spiritual local church. That's the will of God. Not to float around, be in a local church. And in that there's connection. And when we are disconnected, we actually, that is where we get discouraged and hurt. Okay, and that's what the enemy uses. So the thing about family is it, I'm intentional in being connected. Not loosely, but looseness creates hurt. All right, so that's the thing about covenant family. Now, listen to me. 
Um, you've heard of uh, denominationalism and apostolic versus apostolic. Now, I'm not speaking about a denomination. You get denominationalism and you get a denomination. So some churches and flows of ministry are now a denomination. But denominationalism is a spirit which causes division. Okay? So I'll explain this a bit more. Um, so denominationalism, denominationalism, you see it's even d- difficult to pronounce, you know, is, you know, uh, I have a disagreement with Ryan. Therefore, he says, no, I'm going. That's the spirit of denominationalism that comes in. We are not saying denominations are wrong. But there's a spirit that will divide. All right? So now, listen to this. Do you know that the Catholic Church has only had two splits in 2,000 years? All right? But the Protestant Church has split, what, the last 60 days. (laughs) I'm telling you. Okay? Well, the last month they just split. The, the point is, it's so interesting, you also see with the Catholic, Catholic Church they refer to father because they understood something about a family. All right? So there's something they've picked up about family. Okay. The point is this. Um, or, or let me just say this. It's quite interesting. Martin Luther was uh, almost uh, just gone 503 years ago. Uh, 502 years ago, um, Martin Luther went, he was uh, in the uh, Catholic church, and he went and he, he hammered against, uh, against the, the church doors, the 95-page thesis to, concerning where his main teaching was the just shall live by faith. It wasn't just works saving you, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Sorry, there's some feedback here. Um, so there's, there's this focus of, um, so there he goes and he hammers this against the doors, this 95-page thesis. It was basically what he had was a doctrinal disagreement. Okay, now, in the early years, Protestant, what it meant was pro-Testament, pro New Testament. That is actually initially what Protestant meant, okay? Within six months, Protestant meant protesting against. So, in denominationalism, we gather because we agree. And when we don't agree, we divide. That's denominationalism. It's the spirit. You see, many times, and and this has happened and stuff, but many times even where divorce takes place with people, when people aren't even restored in that, the same spirit of breaking covenant will manifest even through them, even in the church. That's how things work. It's a spirit. Denominationalism. It's a thing of covenant gets broken. That's how it works. God doesn't break his word or his covenant with you and me. You understand? Okay? So he's true and faithful to the covenant he's made with us. 
So, um, how do we disagree? Well, we disagree when what? We have an opinion. <laughs> I like pink, you like blue. We disagree. You know? So, it's many times an opinion. So, um, um, you know, the thing about denominationalism is that denominationalism many times teach you, teaches you not to think. That's a spirit. It's like, I can't think. I'm just this man. I'm telling you, the most creativity is supposed to be in the church. And we shut it down because you're not thinking like me. You don't look like me. You don't dress like me. Well, I only wear this twice maybe a year. So, sorry. I don't wear a jacket always. But do you understand the thing about um, there's a creativity that is lost many times uh, in the denominationalism, okay? So, um, Many times in denominationalism, we preach to try to convince people instead of inspire people. I want to convince you instead of inspire you. So, um, thinking is many times dangerous in denominationalism. I, I really believe that the times we're living in, God wants us to be creative, whether you, bus- you have business, whether you have some field that you're in, God wants us to be creative. He's the source of creativity. And denominationalism will say, no, no, only this type of people is accepted yet. Only that type of people accepted yet. That's what that would want to do. All right? So, um, do you realize this? I don't know when last you've actually heard, but when last have you heard one of the great, greatest inventions are actually coming from the church? Because that's where it used to happen. Some of the greatest inventions ever that took place was people that were Christians and in the church. Do you know that? Where do you hear that, that Christians are coming with the greatest ideas now? You're not hearing it. Because, ah, oh, you're crazy, man. No, I can't agree. Where do you want to go to the Mars? You want to go to where? You're crazy. And we shut people down instead of inspiring them. Because my Bible says nothing is impossible. All things are now possible through Jesus Christ. And the church needs to start thinking more than the confinement of the spirit of denominationalism. Apostolic people gather around family. Okay, there's a father, there's a mother. We, we, we speak about there's a set man, a set, the set couple, whatever. People that God has put in uh, those places of function. So uh, there's family, it's relational stuff. It's not you do this, you don't do this. Jesus came and revealed who? The father. That's the thing about the apostolic is it's about family. There's a father. There's a mother. It's not, oh, who's here? Who's, who's in charge here? I just want to tell them. You understand? It's not that. People know their place. I mean, my daughter knows her place at my house. She knows her place also at other people because she knows who is the mother and the father. Do you, do you understand? But sometimes it's like we, we stand on, on, on the spirit of democracy many times and we actually short circuit what the spirit of God wants to do because we come with the thinking of the world and we try and bring it in the kingdom.
You know, I, I, you know, it's like, I don't have to say, well, I'm in the leader of this church. I, I don't have to, I, I don't feel insecure in myself. Me and my wife, we don't. But I, I know my place in this family. Do you understand? So the apostolic, a key thing is it's about family. I don't have to say, well, I'm the pastor. And this morning again, even with David and Sylvia, I want to say, please, you know what? Um, you don't have to. We, we don't. We don't have to say you this pastor this or you this. We we honor. It starts with your heart. It doesn't just start with your mouth. It starts with your heart. Well, I, f- I, I need to feel secure, so call me pastor, please. I got a name. I don't feel insecure. I promise you, God doesn't feel insecure. He was known as a servant of all. Okay, stop calling me servant of all. It's fine. I'll work with that. (laughs) So, the other thing is this about the apostolic family is that you don't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And this is many times people don't get. That's why many times when we speak to people say, you know, you want to be part of this ministry or the different churches out there that are represented here. You know, when you want to be part of this house, did God add you here or did you want to be here? Because if God has added you, you're in a covenant relationship because this is a family. And we honor God first and we honor God in our relationships. And, and because we are family, we're also on a journey together. And we want to see this place look like that place. We want to see earth look like heaven. All right, so we're on a journey together. And so, you know, like I say, you can't, you're telling me you can choose your mother and your brother. Well, you, you can't. Sometimes we, we get confused in the kingdom. It's, that's why God gave us families to understand something in the natural and the spiritual as well. Okay? So um, the church was born in a covenant. It wasn't born in a conference. Oh, I like you. You're very nice. That conference, that pastor there was very good. I'm part of you. We're born out of covenant. Okay, we're born into covenant. So, um, this is apostolic family, right? And we belong in apostolic family. Um, and we don't always agree with one another. And that's, that's fine. Oh my goodness, if I'd agree with everything my mother and father fed me, I still don't eat certain things. Don't eat carrots that have sugar on. I eat everything else. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll working on this. So, um, I can never know if you're loyal to me until you disagree with me. Isn't that so, guys? I mean, it's, you know, you know, each one has grown up in their own sphere, whether at school, whether in family or business. You never know if someone is loyal until there's disagreement. And so family, what? I don't want to see you again. I reject you. I have to work this thing out now because it's my brother, because it's my mother, it's because of my father. Isn't that so? 
And we see sometimes more maturity in the world than what we're supposed to see in the church. All right, so that's the thing is, you know, how do we see things? Well, you know, I, I, you know, that's the thing. Jesus knew those people because every person went through tests. God tests our heart. Remember, sometimes I've said this before, he offends our mind to reveal our heart. And any relationship, guys, I, I'm, I'm being very honest here. Any relationship, take this to any area of your life or work, family, business. Every area needs to be tested to determine the type of relationship you have. You're telling me it hasn't been tested in your marriage? I'm telling you, conflict is not bad. It's healthy. How you deal with conflict is the important thing. And every person is not going to agree. I mean, please don't agree with everything. Because if you tell me that food is nice and it's not nice, if that's your opinion, that's fine. But that's family. Now I disown you because you don't like my food. Well, maybe if it's certain food you don't like, but no, that's a joke. Um, but we family, all right. The second point is we believe in the impossible. We believe in the impossible. Uh, therefore, count on miracles to happen to us and through us. We believe in the impossible. Therefore, we count to see miracles happening in and through our lives. That's what the apostolic is about. That is, that is what the New Testament uh, people is that, listen, things are impossible, but we are trusting God to see the impossible become possible through our lives. And we are living in times where we need to see this happen. Honestly, I mean, we end of testimonies, God's provision, supernaturally, this happens, that happens, this, this. If we don't believe in the impossible, then we can never see that what is possible. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Isn't that so? So that's what Romans 1.17 says. The righteous will live by faith. All right? So we know that truth overrides facts. I said that early on today. In Luke chapter 1 verse 37, there will be nothing impossible. All right? That's in Luke 1.37. So, apostolic people live by faith and believe anything is possible. That's why sometimes people think, hey, you're crazy, man. Because we believe nothing is impossible. Everything is now possible. In Matthew 17, 19, we're going to look at some scriptures, so just bear with me in that as well. We're going to, look, we're going to do a few scriptures. I'll otherwise just read some to you. <coughs> Uh, Matthew uh, 17, verse 19. So Jesus comes, comes down from the mountain, and what he does, he meets with his disciples. And um, because the thing is, they tried to cast out a demon uh, and, from a little boy, and the demon didn't want to go. So you remember the story, and, they say, and then Jesus you know, comes, and, and um, Jesus comes and casts out the demon. And then the disciples come, and they ask Jesus, but why couldn't we cast out the demon? All right? Then in verse 20, so Matthew 17, verse 20 says the following. It says here, so some of your translations will differ. So go, it's good to look at some different translations. And when you want to make further things, go look at, you can see the original Greek, what it says as well, just to make sure. So look at some of the different translations. So Matthew 17, verse 20 says this. It says, uh, it says the following. Um, Jesus replies, 
because of your little faith. Some of your translations will might say it slightly different because of your unbelief. The actual translation says because of your little faith. Okay? Um, truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, that word little faith is the word, also that, that word actually means in the original, means brief or few occurrences. Brief or few occurrences. Um, I'll say again, because of your little faith. That little faith means brief or few occurrences. So, your faith, if you try once and it does not happen, don't walk away. Continue trying until it works. Because of your brief or because of your lack of continually doing it, that's why you don't see it happen. Because of your little faith means because of your brief faith. I prayed for you once and you didn't get healed. Pray again. Well, you know, I, I, I sowed in that for this and I, I gave finances as seed for this and this and nothing happened. Well, get, do it again. That your faith grows. All right? You see, your brief faith is keeping many Christians away from the miraculous. So he's saying your little faith, your brief faith, why didn't this demon come out? Because you didn't continue. You gave up. In Luke 18, I'll just refer to Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. It speaks about, remember the widow which is standing before the judge, and she's saying to the judge, no, I want justice. I want justice. I want justice. She's in Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. You can have a look there. Basically, until the judge, you know, he's thinking, oh my goodness, yes, this widow, she's continuing, she wants justice. And then, then it says there that um, the judge then basically, you know, he says, I will give you what you want. Now listen to me. The next verse says, in verse 8, you can have a look at it. In the next verse, then it says this, And when I return, will I find such faith on earth? What happened? Jesus is saying, Yes, this widow contending with the judge. You know, I want, to, I, I want to see justice. And then the judge says, okay, okay, I'll give you justice. Jesus then says, when I return, will I find such faith on earth? Meaning what? She didn't stand still at little faith. She continued until she got a breakthrough. That's how faith works. So to become an apostolic people means that the miraculous works through our lives. And because it didn't happen before, well, guess what? This is why many Christians are in places of no power, because we stopped trying. Well, I prayed for the dead person, they're still dead. Well, then lay hands on yourself until you come alive. Continue, 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 all right? Galatians 5. Galatians 5 speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. One of them is what? Perseverance. Is the fruit of the Spirit. Guess what? The devil doesn't have perseverance. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is perseverance. Through perseverance they inherited. Through faith and perseverance they inherited the promises of God. So many Christians don't come into the promises because they've given up. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Matthew 13. You can have a look. You know this about the mustard seed, that the kingdom of God is as a mustard seed, right? And guess what? We know that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the biggest tree in the garden. Isn't that so? In the same way, what is it? The Bible says a little leaven, or leaven is yeast. You know, we'll know that. A little leaven or yeast brings increase. It brings about a transformation, okay? It causes dough to rise. That's what leaven does. An example of this is, and this is about kingdom and apostolic people. We are, wherever you live, whether you're in a village or a town in Lesotho or in, in South Africa or in, in Switzerland or in Austria, wherever, whatever part of the world, you are positioned there for a reason. And when you start to understand this, the work that you're in that you're so frustrated about, the family members, the whatever, but just like the leaven, Something in the, of the kingdom, when you believe in the miraculous, this is the apostolic, something starts breaking out when you start to step into the impossible to walk and to see things possible. There's a tenacity and a fire inside of you that says nothing is impossible. All things are uh, possible now through Jesus Christ. In, with Nebuchadnezzar, you had Daniel. So Yaz Israel, they get taken into exile. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, you see them. What happened? In this godless, wicked place, transformation took place. That Nebuchadnezzar repented and turned to God in the end. Don't tell me you're having a tough time in your country or your town or your city or your nation. Oh, you know, South Africa is so corrupt. Oh, America is so corrupt. Oh, Europe, the politicians. Oh, Lesotho, they steal the money. These people, come on. You are the agent of change. And until you start living with this mission and this heart attitude that I have a reason and a purpose to see God's kingdom break through my life, that this tenacity and fire starts burning inside of you, nothing can shut you down. Nothing can shut you down. You know, for years we've been laboring and building in the kingdom. For 31 years now, we've been laboring and stuff like this. And I want to tell you something. The devil has tried how many times to shut us down. And I want to tell you something. You might be laboring in things in your life, but God wants to bring a breakthrough in your life. The problem is, do you believe it? Because He's the Lord of breakthrough. It just takes you to agree with what heaven is saying. Right? So you might not think you're, not, you're doing much. You might not think you're doing much. But guess what? You're busy destroying the works of darkness, just the fact that where you are. That's why I said to you, the whole thing of escapism theology, you know, Jesus is going to rapture the, ch the church from the earth. I say, come on, man, please, go read your Bible. The kingdom of God has been established on earth as it is in heaven. And yeah, we want to disappear because it's going tough. Well, read your Bible and see how tough it was there. I'm telling you, the most precious things are birthed in fire. The most beautiful and pure things are birthed in fire. And Jesus is looking for a bride. He's not looking for some monster. Because he paid with his life for a bride.
Mark 11 verse 24 says, Therefore I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted to you. So, when you pray, you're supposed to have faith, isn't it so? So prayer without faith is what? Complaining. Stop complaining. Start adding faith. Every time you get a step, you take little faith. Just continual breakthroughs you're going to get. Okay. You see, because God responds to faith. God responds to faith. Do you know that Jeremiah prophesied? Um, he prophesies for the prosperity of Babylon. Listen to me. Jeremiah prophesies to this wicked kingdom. He prophesies for prosperity. You know what it says? The word says. When he prophesied for the prosperity of Babylon, in that lay his prosperity. You didn't hear what I said. When you start praying that your city, your town, your leaders will prosper, you will then prosper. Stop cursing them. Pray for the prosperity, right? So, who wants to believe and who can believe God that God will change their village or their town or their city? Amen. Eh? Amen. Let's start believing that, man. The third point, we commission to disciple nations. We commission to disciple nations. All right? That means we want to see our, our village, our town. We want to see our city. We want to see our nation prosper. Okay? So could we commission to disciple nations. Matthew 28, Jesus says there, to make disciples of all nations. So when we start practicing with our village and our town and our city, we're busy practicing to disciple nations. We want to disciple nations. It's a nice thing to say. Just start with your family. Start with your village. Start with your town. Start with your city. Amen. Romans 4 verse 18. It says, yeah, this is such a cool verse. But anyway, Romans 4.18 says, um, this is about Abram, speaking of Abram. In hope against hope, he believed that he will become a father of many nations, according to which was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Hope against hope. He believed God. So, listen to me. The promise that was given to Abram was 400 years before the law was given. Alright? What does that mean? It wasn't just to be a father of Israel. It was a father of all nations. Did you hear what I said? It wasn't Abram just to be a father of Israel. Galatians 3 says that Abram is the father of our faith. And I'm not a Jew. I was a Gentile. You know, in Christ, I'm a new creation. So this is for nations, not just the nation of Israel. So shall your descendants be, okay? We are called to father nations. 
Do you know that there's Muslims that are already, uh, already fathering five different nations? Muslims are fathering five different nations in the world. Where's a Christian? Tell me a Christian nation. Isaiah, verse 9. This is such cool uh, scriptures. And Isaiah, we'll have a look at that in Isaiah, basically verse 9, verse 7. It says the following there. It says, there will be no end to your government and peace. Did, did you hear what I said there? There will be increase. There will be increase of your government and peace. Did you hear what I said? I don't know if you, I just heard there, but the word of God has its own power and life. It says here. <clears throat> it says here. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Is God a liar? So where is this Government and peace supposed to be then? In heaven. Where? On earth. On earth. So when you hear the media says the opposite, or when you see the opposite, then something has to be put right. Because God is not a liar and God backs his word. That there will be increase of his government, his kingdom. On earth as it is in heaven. And peace will increase. Do you hear what I'm saying? The governance of the kingdom of God will increase on earth as well as his peace. Because a lot of our theology is screwed up. Our end time theology. It is based on pre-mid-tribulation, post-tribulation, and then we get go. Woohoo! Do you know the end times has been since the times of Jesus? Oh, the end times. The end times has already been then. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do you think it, it's been happening all the time? Oh, did you hear of the war now happening? You, so what? God says there will be increase of his government and the increase of peace. Our city has to have peace. Our city has to have governance. Our village, our town. Some of us, we've settled for it because, well, that's just how it is. It's not. You see, God is looking for people that will start agreeing with what heaven says and not what the media says or not some screwed up theology about, okay, now everything seems to go bad and then we're gone. The earth belongs to him. Why would he vacate earth? I don't know if you read your Bible sometimes. But it's good when you do read it. All right? So... Guess what? The book of Acts um, is, is, a, is a great beginning, but it's not the end. The book of Acts is not finished, all right? We need to honor the past. We need to live in the present. And we need to look to the future. Jeremiah said an amazing thing. He says this, and Jeremiah said, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you 
and pray to the Lord on its behalf. In its welfare will you have welfare. God says, don't curse the city. Speak the blessing on the city because this blessing becomes your blessing. The goodness of the welfare of this nation becomes your welfare. Ah, yeah, it is. That's apostolic thinking and apostolic people. Hebrews 11 verse 10 says, Abram was looking for a city which had foundations and uh, which had foundations and whose architect and builder was God. All right? Foundations, that word foundations is where we get the word theme. The theme. That's where we get the word. So guess what? Abram was looking for a city that had a what theme? A God theme. I hope faith is, some faith is arising in, you, in your hearts. All right? We, you know, just with time and that, I'm just uh, Genesis 28. We know the scripture, Genesis 28, verse 10 to 18. It speaks about how Jacob has his dream, angels ascending, descending. But it, it speaks about a certain place that becomes an awesome place. The certain place, the words are exactly there, certain place where this encounter Jacob has, the certain place becomes an awesome place. And then he says, this is nothing else than the house of God, Bethel. All right? So a God encounter actually changed the DNA of the land. In Isaiah 62, there's, 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 there's two translations, a couple of translations on this verse. Listen to this. Isaiah 62, it says here, it says, Unto your land you will be married. The other translation, Unto your land the Lord will be married. When you and I marry a land, so does he marry the land. When you say, this is my city, this is my village, it is now his village and his city. Then if you heard what I said there. So many of us have disagreed the place that we put in, that we actually miss what he is married to. The land itself takes in the DNA of its people who take ownership of the land. I say the condition of the city or the condition of a nation is a direct result of the condition of the church. So, what happens? Our encounter with God starts redefining a city. It starts redefining a valley, a town. Our encounter with God redefines what it's going to look like. You might not know, what am I doing here? What am I doing in Lesotho? What am I doing in Friesburg? What am I doing in Bloemfontein? All right? But God is sending us to become planet changers to make this planet look more like His place on earth as it is in heaven. So we need people who dream with God. All right? We need people who dream with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just... Um, 
just end off with one of the points here as well, just for time-wise. I'm going to just touch on this one, and then we'll just end off with this um, about becoming an apostolic people. The next point is, we believe in a fantastic future. Therefore, we have a hundred-year vision. We believe in a fantastic future. Therefore, we have a hundred-year vision. You know, people say, you're the Lord. I mean, I hear how many people, the Lord is coming now. He's, listen, I'll live as if the Lord is coming tomorrow or today, but I'm going to plan if he's going to come in 100 years. That's how we got to think. Because we need to establish the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. All right? So to effectively start changing a culture, we need to know we will be here for a certain time. When culture is going to be changed, we need to know we've got to sow into this region. We've got to build into this region. We've got to build into this region until. So we're going to know we're going to sow into this nation. We're going to sow into these people. All right. Listen to this amazing scripture from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. What does that say? Everyone knows this one. I know the plans I have for you. You know that, that scripture? So listen to me. Jeremiah quotes the scripture. When Israel was in their 20th year of captivity, God says prophesy this, and yet they stayed 50 years in captivity. And in that captivity, God says, hey, I've, I, what does God say? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to you a future and a hope. He says it to Israel, which is 20 years into the captivity. And they spend another 30 years there. God gives them that promise. And you complaining? Do you understand? When you are a people of change, then you invest your life into towns, villages, regions, nations to start seeing that happen, even though you experience the worst situations. So if you believe the world is going to burn up, guess what? You're not going to be involved in establishing the kingdom. <laughs> You're going to be hiding, building a place in the cave somewhere. All right? Isaiah 2, verse 2 to 4, you can go read. It speaks about, now it shall come to pass in the last days. Let me just read that quickly, Isaiah 2, 2 to 4. It says here, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days, or in the last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. All right, uh, and the word of the Lord came from to, uh, to came. Uh, the word of the Lord came from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall hear. The, they, they shall bear their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Do you know that when it says the last days, firstly the, the mountains refers to the authorities. Okay, it refers to the authorities, and it says that G, that Jesus will be the chief of all 
these authorities he is. When is this supposed to happen? This is not supposed to happen in the millennium. A thousand year reign with Jesus on earth is not happening then. It's happening before then. The last days that it refers to, do you know that um, the book of Acts, where Peter quotes Joel, Joel says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit. That was 2,000 years ago, the last days. In the last days. This Isaiah speaks about the last days. It is already now. It's not waiting for the millennium. What does he say? He says in the last days, people are going to even start getting rid of their weapons and turn it into plowsheds. They're going to take that weapons, their, whatever they meant, and they turn it around. I'm telling you guys, when you hear this, hope's supposed to rise in the church again. We think we come into World War Three and everything goes up. Read your Bible. Stop working with fear and escapism theology. You see, God is doing amazing things on earth. So God is looking for people who actually believe him for this now. Right. I'm going to just end off and say the following, and then we're going to just do ordination here, is the people of Israel would have taken 40 days to go from Egypt and cross over into the promised land. It took them 40 years, and only two of the two went in. Why is it then things were prophesied that never happened? It was prophesied they were going. Because prophecy is conditional. Because God is looking for people that say, yes, I don't understand, yes, sir. That's all he's looking for. He's not looking for a crowd. That's why to get rid of the thousands with Gideon's army and to end up with a handful of people. Because a handful of people that have said yes to God can change this planet. They can change the towns, they can change the villages, they can change the nations and the cities. Just because they said yes. Amen. So that is why also this morning we're going to just um, look just to do the ordination in that. Um, because we want to, we want to uh, acknowledge what God is doing and we want to bless and release this couple in what, into the regions and across the border um, to continue establishing the kingdom, to raise up an apostolic uh, people to transform their towns, their villages, their cities, their nation. Amen.